the first letter in the month is pink. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined as always by my other fabulous co-host, Melissa. And tonight we have as our very special guest on the love boat, no wait, on Xanadu, we have Mr. Jerry Bellich. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Jerry. Hey. How, how did we go so long without having you on our podcast? <laughs> I, I, I played... I play it loose and and uh, smooth, so it's hard to track me down. <laughs> or you're just busy all the time. <laughs> Jerry was um, a sometime correspondent during Fantastic. That's Test. true. That's, that's true. true. That's true. That's true. But this time it is an episode with Jerry as our focal point guest, or yes. I don't even know. Meaning I had to drive somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jerry. Uh, let's see. I am a game designer uh, by trade, and I've always had a love for film that used to be, I used to do like videography work and stuff like that, and turned that into the hobby of making movie Swedes, uh, which <laughs> Melissa has been uh, a partner in doing. <laughs> so yeah, I like to... I like to make a lot of stuff, hybrid, like physical, interactive things, and uh, do writing, storytelling, stuff like that. And you are a shenanigator. It's true. Indeed. Very much so. I, I am chaotic neutral, uh, <laughs> which means if I ever see a domino, uh, literally or like metaphorically, I will tip it over. And if there's a button, you have to press it. Gotta press um, it. Gotta. I I do actually understand. I'm yeah. not quite as bad as you, but I do understand. Yeah, I, I think it depends on depends on the night. <laughs> Some of my fondest memories at Convergence have involved Mr. Jerry Billage. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. All right, uh, listeners. Um, oh wait, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Jerry, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a 12-year Glenlivet. Because that's what I had in my cupboard. Which I am not complaining because it's <laughs> it's quite lovely. Jeez Christ, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I found a bottle of cheer wine in my fridge. Uh, cheer wine is non-alcoholic, so dear listeners, yes, I am still having a sober January. Uh, or dry January, as we decided. <laughs> Arid. 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 It's an arid January. I can take sips of things I've never had before, but uh, only sip. But uh, 
I am drinking cheer wine, which is a cher- basically a cherry cola, and uh, it's really delicious. I like it a yeah. lot. I, I will note, though, when Melissa offered me something, I said, oh, well, what are you drinking? She said, well, I'm having a dry January. It took me at least 10 seconds to realize she wasn't talking about a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> which means we need to make yeah. a dry January. So we've been working oh. on the recipe for that, which... So far, I believe is gin, kind of dry January, uh, dry vermouth, uh, which uh, is a martini. Yep, is essentially you know we've made a martini now. Good job. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, Wendy suggested adding bitters because of course January is bitterly cold, at least where Melissa and I are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am. not where Wendy is. <laughs> Traitor. I, I walked up to school in a shirt. To pick up Ted's today. I didn't oh, have you, sweatpants on. You haven't stripped down completely topless to go to school yet, have you? Not not yet. Okay. Um, it was 60 people. Like, Ugh. you know, it was cool. That, <sighs> I also, you. I have been informed that this is unusually warm. Normally, it's more like 50. <laughs> oh, God. Well, <laughs> I mean, right now, dear listeners, it is about negative five in Minneapolis yep. on the Fahrenheit really, scale. And I make so many poor life choices. I feel like I finally made a good one. But but the, here's the thing. Negative five in Minneapolis in the middle of January, this is unseasonably warm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're still doing okay. Yeah. It's not negative 20 like it usually is. It's only negative five. It's like a heat wave. It's practically balmy. <laughs> I, I had to try to explain that to my uh, co-workers in Mumbai, and it didn't... Uh, they have no concept. They have no concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, fi- I find that, you know, beyond, like, negative 10, I cannot tell the difference. I, I've got it's it. St- it's just stupid cold. The final the final touch for the... The drink? Uh, the, the dry January mm-hmm. is... It is obviously, you know, very, very chilled, uh, but you get a old school thermometer as your little like <gasps> stir stick. Oh, your swizzle uh, stick is a thermometer. Stick, yeah, I love nice. it. Nice. Do we put do we put dry ice in it? Ooh, ooh, that I, I wouldn't complain. I I used to make gin and tonics with dry ice. It was quite fun. Okay, I think we've got it. Yeah, I think we've. I think, I think, we, got I think we finally hit on it. So yeah. better publish the recipe. <laughs> so it's basically a martini with a thermometer, swizzle stick, dry ice, and bitters. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, folks. Got it. Make them at home and send us your picks. <laughs> oh, did you say what you were drinking? I am drinking a Barefoot Wines Cab So. <sighs> You know, it's a pleasant little wine. What are you going to do? Mm. I, can, I can buy it at Target on the end cap. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. All right. We, we, okay. We've been uh, recording for like 17 minutes and haven't even mentioned what we're going to talk about yet. <laughs> I made it about me. You did. Well, it kind of is already about you because we're going to talk about <laughs> the never ending story. Yay. Yay. It's still going <laughs> <laughs> because it's. Never ending. The never ending podcast. So what about it? So Jerry, why why this movie? Oh this movie is like I don't know, it's like all of the fantastical like mysteries of the world in childhood all rolled up together. Cause it's got all the right ingredients. It's got like animatronic-y things, puppet things, 
uh, Cloud Tank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, Th- this film is lousy with Cloud Tanks, Oh my man. gosh, it is like a drinking game waiting to happen. <laughs> it uh, has one rule, and it's Cloud Tank. Cloud Tank! <laughs> uh, it's got... It's got actors that uh, screw up and and they don't know if they're still on camera, so they just kind of stand there awkwardly. Um, Oh, wait, I didn't see that. (laughs) I wish I'd been watching with you guys. Right? It has a terrible kid actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wait, which one? One one terrible kid actor and another actually decent kid actor. Yeah, actually, uh, Atreyu, I think, does a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, a trio's great. I think uh, he is solid. No, um, oh come on, poor Barrett Oliver. What does he have to do? He he gets a whole lot of looking up from the book and saying random shit out loud, so we know what the fuck's it's going on. It's not real. It's only a story. It's not real. What about that sandwich man? Oh yeah, he's. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> we still got a long way to go. I better hold on to the three quarters of this shitty sandwich I made. <laughs> Because my mom's dead. (laughs) And my dad can't be bothered. And my dad is like some kind of, I don't know, Wall Street wannabe. Egg-guzzling Wall Street wannabe. Yeah, who does he think he is? Rocky? (laughs) He makes like a two-egg smoothie at the beginning of the film. (laughs) Wait, I was talking about what I liked about this movie, right? Yes, yes. I think we're showing our joy right now. Honestly, one one thing that attracted me a lot as, as a kid was the voices like i love doing the voice of the luck dragon and morla and the rock biter like they just have such different and unique personalities even if they're silly and and in some ways kind of stupid <laughs> you know most of those voices are done by the same person yeah uh, yeah and and uh and the uh the little troll guy uh i can never figure out what his name is deep roy yeah, D- well, no, 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 not okay. Deep Roy, not the, because he's a snail rider, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a yeah. snail rider, the racing snail rider, who's awesome. No, I mean. Oh, uh, the other guy. Yeah, the, be confident. <laughs> and he gets in his basket and he's all about science. That guy, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's super fun to make fun of. The man with one tooth. To the winch, winch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a winch, I'm your wife. I know, I always think the same thing. I know. Thing. Well, I, when when that part came up, I was like, ooh, now we get to see not Billy Crystal. We, we did have fun watching the movie. <laughs> the character's name is Engiwook. Yeah, okay. Is that what it is? Whatever. For real. People, people have problems with names in this movie. <laughs> well, the, the female is Urgel. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So... <laughs> The, 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 Names are a problem here. Yeah. The, the other really weird are. thing about watching this, uh, especially now, is I, I read the book like in my early 20s with my friend Brian, who also has like a, an incredibly deep love for this film, as I do. And it's really weird watching the movie, knowing all the facts of the book. For one, in the book, it's called Fantastica. Yeah. Not Fantasia. Which I will give them props for changing the name because Fantasca is a stupid name. <laughs> well, the book was originally German. Mm-hmm. And you have to admit that Fantastica sounds a lot more German. Welcome to Fantastica! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they can see that. A lot of angry freaking Germans. This, this movie is so German. Uh, uh, oh, uh, fuck yeah. Oh, man. Uh, dear listeners, okay, if you somehow missed... 
never-ending story during your childhood or grew up after it and never encountered it or grew up before it and never encountered it, we should do a pre recap of what it is. All right. Just very quickly. Jerry, did you want to take this one on? Uh, well, a lot of wolf gangs got together. Yep. And were like, let's make a movie that feels like it could be in the same room as Labyrinth. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Except less David Bowie. Except less David Bowie. Rest, rest, rest his in peace. Soul. Oh, I'm still super bummed about that. Me too. Less David Bowie's crotch. Because that mm. was yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. the news was yesterday. News was yesterday. Actually came out late on um, Sunday night. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> so, never ending story. Never ending story. Yeah. So, yeah, all the wolf gangs were hanging out. And they wanted to make a movie, and a few of them knew how to craft. <laughs> and one of them had an oversized fish tank uh, for <laughs> for illegal uh, tropical fish. Jer- Jerry, Jerry, there are, there are literally hundreds of cloud tank shots in this film. <laughs> Plot summary. <laughs> Plot summary. There are no wolf gangs in the movie. Oh, I thought we were talking about the making of. No, no. We, well, we can get into that after a, oh. a brief summary of what it's about. Okay, Plot brief summary, summary brief think. summary. Yeah, brief summary. Uh, there is a little boy named Bastion. I presume it's Sebastian. He is not good in school. He is not very good looking, although it's a weird thing to apply to a child of that age. Mm-hmm. Um, he's but, you know, not popular. No, he's he, not popular. He's, he's not bullied. well liked. Uh, there's very little redeemable about him. Except, wait, he's a dreamer and a reader. That is something he's, I will... He is. Uh, in the book, it makes it clear that he's also kind of stupid, which... I remember being kind of aghast when he's described in the book because it goes to great lengths to make sure you know he's a worthless kid. Oh, God. <laughs> like, super pushes okay. it in your face. Okay, let's talk so about the, the movie. book after we get the through movie. the movie. Uh, the movie, he's not as ugly as described in the book. Uh, he's very average. Uh, and he definitely uh, names off a lot of books that he has read. And, and like some serious solid ones, like yeah. he he's got like yeah, like uh, Tolkien and and Treasure Island, Treasure Island, Naked Lunch, yeah, so, Naked Lunch. Uh, uh, Infinite movie Jest. starts with his dad telling him, "I know you haven't been doing well, and I know it's tough because your mom died." Yeah, yeah, he's he can't open a jar, uh, and then his dad makes a, a raw egg smoothie and drinks it and opens the jar. Uh, so then. He's he's told he's lectured by his dad with like as little love as possible that he needs to do better and stop being afraid of horses and try swimming. And then he goes uh, heads off to school where he's chased by bullies and that leads him eventually into this bookstore where he's hiding. And there's an old man who is pretending to be particularly cantankerous and, and mysterious and keeps having him like come closer and closer to him in a really creepy fashion. But then he gets a phone call and after talking about this weird book that piques our uh, hero's interest, uh, he walks away. Bastion's like, I gotta read this book. This sounds so good. And he takes it, but he does leave a note that says he'll bring the book back. So it's it's very it's very respectful. 
And of course, the old man is like, hee 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 hee. I wanted him to have it. He doesn't say it, but you can see it in his eyes. <laughs> and then fast forward, uh, Bastion gets to school and he's already missed like the beginning of school. A math test is going on. So he goes to the attic. Uh, okay. So there's an <laughs> attic. In yeah. this elementary, is it elementary school, middle school? I presume no, it's elementary. It's, it's elementary. Elementary, right? Yeah, he's, he's pretty young. He's young. So he's he, like ten. There, in this very like normal, mundane-looking elementary school, is a huge, terrifying attic full of dead animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna come back to the attic later. I want to talk right. about that attic yeah, later. Yeah, let's yeah, unpack yeah. It. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, so basically, he just starts reading the book, and it's it it's it's introducing these like. Kind of wonderfully weird creatures, the the giant rock biter who, for some reason, is riding some sort of like tricycle. <laughs> uh, also, you know, seemingly made of rock. He picks up like he finds some delicious rock to eat, which and I'd mentioned this to Melissa earlier. But whenever characters in movies are eating food, whether or not it's real food or not, it always looks so good to me. Like, and when he's, I remember as a kid when he's eating the quartz thinking, oh, that probably is super tasty. <laughs> like, it just looked like crunchy and it had these like all these sparkly bits on it. Like, oh, it just looked delicious. But he runs into uh, this, the, the snail rider, uh, Deep Roy, played mm-hmm. by Deep Roy, uh, with his racing snail. Mm hmm. Who's adorable? Yes, so cute. And then the bat and its terrifying troll man that uh, kind of rides under him, and they're like, "Oh crap! Where'd you come from? The nothing ate your home too? Shit, mine too." <laughs> and they're like, You're, "Let's go see the the, the empress because that's the only government we have." <laughs> so they they book it to the ivory tower. Which is a bummer for the Rockbiter because the tower, like, if you look at the scale of it Mm -hmm. and how small the top is, but yet, like, how big it ends up seeming with the people on it, it's like a multi-mile high tower. The Rockbiter has no chance of getting up there, so he's... There's an elevator, dude. He would not fit in that shit. So he basically just chills out and makes I camp. I feel like but the childlike empress would be inclusive, and she'd have an elevator that would fit all her subjects. I don't know. That <laughs> tower looks like it was built to like keep people away. And and because it's German, I feel like that elevator would be shaped yeah. like a vagina. <laughs> there are some oddly vaginal looking. Yeah, things and with the yes. with the childlike empress, my theory is she like. That is like this eternal womb, and she's never actually yet been born. That that's deep, man. Dude, let's get on with anyway. the plot. Okay, so so plot. they're like, oh, we know why you're here. There, there's like <laughs> he's either a Jedi or a Klingon that is explaining to all the many creepy faced people there. Oh, there's uh, some creepy looking people. One giant fish. Uh. That, oh, sorry, like, we can't help you. She's super sick. She's got the flu or something. We don't know. <laughs> but it's bad. And, like, we don't, you know, we don't, we can't do anything. So then they, like, request uh, the warrior from the Plains people, the buffalo hunter. But this is where it's revealed. This is, like, one of the first connections to the real world. Mm-hmm. Where Bastion looks up and he's like what 
and he looks like on the back of his bag or his backpack or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a sticker of oh. Uh, oh. a Native American fellow hunting a tatanka, uh, which <laughs> means buffalo. <laughs> and so he he makes his first connection of like, oh, that's kind of that's a crazy coincidence. As if to uh, suggest that the book is borrowing from the real world. So, kid comes. It's a Treyu. Uh, he's the one that can act. So this is like yep. the the entrance of the first actor of the film, and <laughs> and uh, so the 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 Klingon or the Jedi guy is like, uh, we're looking for a Treyu the warrior, not a Treyu the little like pipsqueak. And he's like, well, I'm the only a Treyu because it's not a common name where I come from, <laughs> so. Eh? And he's and I like, am a warrior, dude. Well, and he's like, I Way mean, I hunt the buff, the purple buffalo, if that helps. And he's like, oh, actually, that's the exact description of the person we were looking for. You must be him. <laughs> so here's okay, a- the, the dude, the Jedi dude is, yeah. you know, that's Moses Gunn, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, he's super awesome. <laughs> also, his head kind of matches the shape of the doorway behind him. Yes, yeah, I like his, awesome. his shark fin. Yeah. Uh, so he he then gives him the double snake charm, and the Orin, the Orin, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is really cool. I I would really like a really nicely made Orin. It's pretty. It's pretty sexy. Make a note, Wendy. Yeah, <laughs> I a, noted a I noted. good one. <laughs> one with wishes. I would like to, oh, no- dear listeners, on. I would like to note at this point that Jerry is wearing a never-ending story t-shirt. Yep. And he notified me earlier this evening that he has four more. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, two of them I made from screen grabs of the film. <laughs> uh, back when I discovered that you could buy the special printer paper that you can then like print on and then cut out and iron on the shirts. <laughs> So I went nuts with it. <laughs> and so I made one where I cut out a, a frame of the luck dragon and then I printed it out and it just says, I'm a luck dragon under it. <laughs> and ironed that on a shirt and then cut out a little orange on for the back. Uh, it's pretty, pretty snazzy. And then the second one is toward the end of the movie. It's a frame of the rock biter looking at his hands going, they look like big, strong hands, don't they? <laughs> Uh, I like that one because it's kind of sad. It kind of yeah. makes you think. Um, and I recently did a purge of clothes uh, that were way too old to justify continue owning, uh, including those shirts. But uh, for Christmas, a quilt was made of all of these old shirts of mine mm-hmm. so that my never-ending story shirts are are there forever. Aww. Uh, so fast forwarding. We got to get yeah. through this plot. Yeah. yeah okay. So Atreyu, they're <laughs> I like, could help you out, but I'm too intrigued by the way you describe it. So anyway, uh, Atreyu goes off to find out what the nothing is and how to save the Empress. Yes, yes. he's he goes off on a journey to figure out like a cure for the Empress. He's specifically told he's not allowed to bring any of his weapons with, and he's not allowed any kind of help. Now, nothing else in the movie suggests that those things would have been a problem. Uh, There's no reason he couldn't bring a weapon. He brought a sandwich that fights hunger. 
<laughs> uh, and <laughs> he was allowed a horse, so he didn't have to do it alone. So I didn't, it was a weird requirement. No, I actually understand that. What it's communicating is this is not a journey where you will be fighting. This is a journey where you need to find things. Ah, uh, it's a fetch quest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> which mostly, which, which was mostly true, except for the the giant wolf. That well, they didn't know about that. Now, did they? <laughs> what? Well, that's kind of the thing, though. That like, he goes on a quest, like in into the boundless uh, Fantasia. They don't know what he's going to run into. It's a crazy world out there. Anyway, he goes off. He's hunting. He evidently is kind of sleeping by streams a lot. He's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm looking." Uh, <laughs> and he's just, like, "I'm just imagining what it is that he's looking for," and he's just like looking in the woods, like. Here's some berries. I don't know. Like, is that a, is that a cure? I'm, I'm I've really never been much for, you know, all natural medicine. Uh, Eventually, so, he gets word that he needs to go see Morla the turtle. No, Morla the ancient one. You don't know it's a turtle. Well, until they say. Shell Mountain. It's a tortoise. And a tortoise. And then <laughs> they say she's on Shell Mountain. And then in people the that are better at math sadness. than Bastion put two and two together and realize it's a tortoise. Uh, in the swamps of sadness, where we have our first in the swamps truly of sadness, yeah. upsetting scene that is a game changer for most people as a child. Like, oh, what just it's happened? It's hardcore. It's hardcore. So he leaves the nice, like, idyllic stream. Uh, Artex and him, they have a snack. Bastion has some of his sandwich, but stops himself okay, because the journey it. is big. Who's Artex? Oh, that's his horse. Oh, my God. I haven't even brought up Artex. Artex is his beautiful white horse that looks a lot like the horse that I rode as a kid named Pete. So Artex and him have a little food. Bastion has some of his sandwich. And then they head out. They... they they peace out to the stream and <laughs> and go for the swamps of sadness to go meet the ancient one. Uh, the wolf, uh, g- what is his name? I keep forgetting. Gamor. Gamork. Gamork is released upon the world. Like you, you see kind of a few fragmented scenes of that. But after he gets to the swamps of sadness, Gamork arrives at the scene that you just saw Atreyu at uh, by the stream. And he's just like, oh, I'm on the scent. So, you know, he's like after him, Uh, which turns out not to matter because he never even like he barely gets close. So swamps gets to Morla, uh, gets to the gets to the well, okay, gets to a mountain. You're still skipping. Oh, oh my goodness. That horse got to die, man. You've got me all mixed up, Wendy. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how. They're they're moving through the swamp, and it's revealed that anything that doubts themselves will drown. Which is given to the sadness. Will give into the sadness and you will drown. Which seems like it's it's kinda it's like if you think of a pink elephant, you will die. Yeah. Everyone would die. It's horrible. So Artex begins to sink and like it's getting harder and harder to move the swamp until finally like the horse just won't move anymore. Which this part is so it's it's awful as it is, but it is so much worse in the book because the horse can talk in the book. Yeah. And is just begging Atreyu to let it die. It's horrible. 
I was reading it on a plane with my friend Brian. I was like five rows in front of him. And we both got to that part at the same time because we just started reading it in the airport. And I like lean up over my seat and like try and find him. And then he looks up at me and we're both like in tears. (laughs) And I like point at the book and he's like, I know. (laughs) It was horrible. So yeah, horse is dead. Sandwich gone. (laughs) Lost. Lost in the swamp. And then finds Shell Mountain. He's like, where's Morla? Morla, what's up? And then it rises up and he flops over into the swamp. I really like this part because like that was some serious mud they like put that kid through. Yeah. yeah. And like climbing the tree and they kept blowing him off the tree with air guns. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So the Morla rises from the swamp and it's this ancient like many, many, many thousands of years old. And huge turtle. Huge. It's a huge tortoise. 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 And it's not scary at all, which is why it's weird when Sebastian like yells out in like shock oh, and out fear. Out of nowhere. And <laughs> he has like, his hand Whoa! on his neck, so I thought he like got stung by a wasp or something. <laughs> he does, well like, he was a, trying to read. It is a really over the top reaction yes. to a turtle. But here's the thing. Ah. They hear his they scream hear in the it, book. And they look very like put off by it. Like and, less and surprised and more like, um, we're kind of in the middle of something. Shut up. <laughs> and then Bastion's like, no way. They heard my noise. That can't be. No. Yeah. Can you imagine like how they described it in the book too of like, and then some stupid kid screamed <laughs> out for no goddamn no, reason. No, no, that's, Jerry. That's no. probably what it wrote. No, no. <laughs> some Why little shit. Why did you take shit. over the plot? Because seriously, this has been like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a real time storytelling. Okay, okay. Um, then uh, there's a, there's a, oh, like yeah. a wolf attack and there's a deus ex. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. And... Whoa, whoa. Now <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, Morley, can you help me? And he's like, not that it matters. No, Jerry. But yes. Morley, stop. No. What? Morla tells him. Oh, you, gotta uh, see you the can Oracle. find the answer at the Southern Oracle. Yeah, well, that's 10,000 miles away. I'll never get there. 10,000 so miles. Oh, so he wanders away. The wolf yep. is about to attack. Yep. Um, he's super depressed and for some reason wounded. Still not sure why. And then along well, comes he, he's out not of wounded. nowhere. He's just like, he's. He's mopey. He's well. He's mopey, and he's really deep in the mud. It's super duper hard no, to walk. Also, he got blown off that tree. Like yeah, five he probably times. like dislocated they his shoulder about, or something. They talk about healing his wounds in the next scene, so he was apparently wounded. Well, there's probably snakes. Anyway, and, and probably scenes of, cut out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Deus, yeah. Deus Ex Luck Dragon yep. comes Deus along. Luck Dragon comes from along. the cloud tank. And yeah, so, so this, picks him up. And he passes out, and when he wakes yep. up, it's sev- it's a lot. It's been several days, maybe a couple of weeks. He wakes up, his wounds are all healed, yep. and where am I? And the and he's freaked out by the luck dragon. The luck dragon's <laughs> like, dude, I'm a good guy. And he's like, oh, Running where am I? Away, well, I brought eh? you to the Southern Oracle. Holy cow, that's amazing. Well, I am a luck dragon. And then he I talks like to the children. <laughs> luck dra- <laughs> dragon be kind of creepy. Yeah. He, actually, he kind of is. He kind of is. He talks to the two little gnomey guys. Oh, this is what you have to do to get into the Southern Oracle. Oh, you might die. He goes to the Southern Oracle. He doesn't die. The Southern Oracle is like, here's Whoa, what here's what the Empress over. needs. She needs a new name. Well, I can give her a goddamn name. No, it's got to be a name given to her by a human child. Where do I find one? Outside the bounds of Fantasia. Okay, so he hops on Falcor. They fly around for what seems like ever. And, and they're like, oh, man, the nothing's everywhere. And yet they fly around everywhere. 
everywhere. Yeah, you don't see anything. It, it's like a tour of every national park. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, cloud tank strikes. Yeah, and, and well, turmoil. We're never, never going to find the edge of Fantasia, and they land, and they land in like this weird place where there are murals of all. Well, of, he doesn't land. Like, Atreyu falls in the sea, washes up on shore. Luck Dragon is looking for him. So they're That's separated. True. Oh, and he's lost the Orin. Yeah, he's lost the Orin. The one thing he's supposed to hold on to. He goes to this building where there are these really old paintings, and yeah, yet they are these paintings murals of, and the runes. of his adventures, which have just been happening. So that's confusing. And the last one is, there's a wolf. Ah, yep. And he turns and there's a wolf. Ah, and it's Gamork. And Gamork is like, yeah, I was sent by the nothing. And basically, it's like- Do you know what trait you? Because I'm supposed to kill him, and I oh, totally lost him. Oh, but the wolf has him. to give you like serious, like, this is what it all means monologue. Yeah. Um, like, I was sent here- to destroy hopes and dreams because the people are easier to control when they don't have hopes. I was supposed to kill Atreyu. I'm Atreyu. Oh, I'm going to kill you. Nope, I killed you first. Actually, and... Atreyu's kind of badass though there because oh, yeah. oh, he he's like, you know what? I'm Atreyu and I want to fight. And he's like, come at me, bro. Yeah, and then he's it, just like, it, let's do this. And it's over in like half a second. Yeah, because he like... picked up uh, like a, a rock that happened to look like a knife. and yeah. And then it loop, Held the, it. the wolf leaps, and that is it for yeah. wolf. <laughs> there, there isn't even a modicum of a fight. It's I just, like, I just love like Atreus. Just down. like, huh? That's <laughs> well. All guess right. I killed you. <laughs> <laughs> guess I'm kind of cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Falcor, the Luck Dragon, finds the Orin, goes yep. and picks up. Atreyu, yep. nothing is destroyed, everything except apparently the stars. I don't know if you noticed that. Huh. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's weird. all these little planetoids. I the, and, and then the Millennium Falcon flies by, and there's yep. a worm coming out. And of the, the little prince waves from one of the little yes. asteroids. Yeah. You guys, I just yeah. want to get through this plot. Nope. <laughs> this is better. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> so they're like, I wonder I'm if the white everything. tower is still standing. We'll let the Orin guide us. They find the white tower. Atreyu goes in to talk to the Empress. She's like, And he's like, I failed. She's like, nah, you brought back a human child with you. I never found one. No, he's reading the story right now. He Bastion. just has to say my name. He's so, so it's storming in Fantasia. It's storming yeah. it in the It starts getting attic. real, like, because they have a nice calm chat for a little while, but and, then, like, shit starts hitting the fan, and, and she gets desperate. And Bastion has been in this attic reading all day to the point where school has ended, and now it's nighttime, and you have to be wondering what the hell his dad is thinking. Oh, he's thinking, like, finally have the house to myself. He's drinking eggs. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's uh, drinking something. Bastion goes and screams the name and oh and then the lights go out and then he's with the Empress and she's like all you have to do is make wishes and Fantasia will come back and the more wishes the better and then he flies on Falcor and there are more adventures blah done there that's the plot but but you you kind of skipped over the naming yeah there's an important part there because now we'll go back and that that was supposed to be the brief summary to to oh, can we go backwards people. now through the movie? Yeah, we, we can we can totally pick pick and choose now. So and I, I feel like we need to do the naming thing because yeah. it's right here. Because because when Bastion does this overdramatic thing where he ru- it's for well, some reason okay. he feels the need to first, run to the window. First, first we got it. We got to back up just a sec okay. here because the childlike empress is going on and on about like trying to convince Bastion that they are actually like connected mm-hmm. without saying anything about him. So he has to believe, right? Except she finally just gives in and evidently knew all along 
Bastion, you, the guy reading the book, Bastion, you need to give me the name. Yes, you, asshole, like, give me a name. <laughs> Which, that really bothered me because he should have had to do it without her saying his name. It should have been on the first fucking page of the book, Bastion, to say the yeah, name of Yeah, because otherwise none of that makes any sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> She You're shouldn't have nuts. said his name. No, was my only no, point there. No, <laughs> but, no. Yes, there are tropes. Yes. <laughs> there are storytelling tropes that you guys are skipping over. First off, he would not have given a name if it had said that in the middle at the beginning of the book. The whole point was he had to follow Atreus' <laughs> adventures and become connected to Atreus, and then. Atreyu brings him back, and then, yeah, the childlike empress is like, he's already got a name picked out. He just has to say it. And and as things are starting to explode, yeah, that's when she has to finally give in. Now, why narratively coming way, coming way outside, why it has to work like that is it's about building the suspense and really making you go, wait, what? You, the longer <laughs> he denies the truth of it, the more you buy into the truth of it. Yes, except I think it's broken when she says his name. That's what I'm saying. That is, you don't have that to agree. is supposed to be the moment. Now, you're a weird child, Jerry. That is supposed <laughs> to be the moment when the kids in the audience go, whoa, she knows his name. You're a weird child. You're like, oh, God damn it. If you'd just done your job, asshole, she wouldn't have had to say your name. Yeah, why didn't why didn't Atreyu just ride the luck dragon over the gates? Ugh. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I th that part bothered me, but whatever. Moving on. Over the gates? What gates? Well, the the first gate, you know, the one with the sphinxes with the breasts and the laser oh, eyes. That. You can't do that. It's magic. Well, I feel like Jeez. it's a dimensional thing because as soon as he moves <laughs> past them, suddenly it, there's a blizzard like flipping out. Yeah, and I, I mean, think if you'd gone over it, there'd just be more desert. It's a magic so you have portal. to go through in order to get to the blizzard. Which is where they keep their mirrors. But those eyes open super slowly, so if you go in between them, you yeah, know, I, I do. I like, mean, he ran through and made. We, it. we, yeah, we talked about this where I was like, so if we really analyze this scene of him like trying to get to the Southern Oracle, he failed, but like made it through in a technicality. Yes, well, then, I feel like if he, had, I was watching it, just like, why are you stopping? Just go. I know. Matter of fact, yeah. take it at a sprint. I feel like you've got a good chance. Yeah. So okay, but going so, back so to the anyway, name. Yeah, yeah. Naming, naming. <laughs> he. So she's finally getting really pushy about it. <laughs> well, and wait, he says oh, no. I. This is calling way. See, this is the problem with doing this out of order. This is calling way back to the beginning, where his dad is like, "You've got to, you've got to yeah. stop dreaming. You've got to." Keep yep. your feet on the ground. You've got to start focusing. And I she's will like, do what I dream. And he says, no, I'm supposed to keep my feet on the ground. I'm supposed to be practical and focused. She's like, give me a ground. name. I will do what I dream. And he yep. runs to the window for no good reason. And <laughs> yells. Except it's more dramatic. <laughs> and, okay, on the count of three, we're going to yell what he yells. Wait, do you know what, what her name is? Yes. And how do you know? Because I looked it up on the internet. Also, I've read the book. Also, um, if you follow what his lips say, it's pretty clear. It's it's weird, though, because I tried figuring it out forever, like before reading it in the book, and could not figure it out. And now that I know what it is, and I like watch that part, it's so obvious. Yeah. Yeah, it, but it, it is a big, kind of a big joke yeah. amongst people who don't 
actually know what the name yeah. is because you can never figure it out unless you actually know what the name is. Yeah. And then once you know it, it's so obvious. Yeah. So should we and all yell it out is, at the same it time? It is a name that a kid would come up with. Should we yell it out at the same time just yes. in case the childlike yeah. empress is I listening? I will do what I dream. Moonchild! It's Moonchild. It's fucking hippie Moonchild. Okay, here's the thing. I was so mad when I read that in the book. See, I always thought it was something like Moomenshans. Here's the thing is that earlier in, when you know that that's the name he gives her and you watch the movie, there's a point earlier when the Southern Oracle says she needs a name and we come out to the real world and Bastion's like, a name? Well, I can think of a name. My mom had a wonderful name. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, your mom's name was Moonchild? Yeah. She was a hippie. Yeah. Apparently. And married, but she and was... married to the like business executive fellow. Up, uptight suit egg drinking man. sucking down eggs. Okay, by the way, do we know who that is? What do you mean, do we know who he is? That oh, actor. Oh, the actor? Gerald <sighs> McCraney. Yeah. Yeah. Of Simon and Simon. Yep. Huh. Yep. And other things, but Simon and Simon, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, it's <laughs> Gerald McGraney. Yeah. And here's the thing. The kid that you hate, who's a bad actor, had an arguably much bigger career than Noah Hathaway. No, Noah Hathaway had a badass career. It just wasn't in acting. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm talking about. Noah Hathaway, of course, was Boxy in Battlestar Galactica, the original series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is how I knew him. And then, but Barrett Oliver, who plays Bastion, he was in Cocoon, and he was the lead in Daryl. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Daryl is that the, the the about the, the artificial robot, child? The, yeah, the yes. robot child. Yeah. Whoa. Uh huh. Yeah, Noah Hathaway um, is like a back belt in many um, martial arts and runs a tattoo parlor in California. Oh, yeah, no, he's a kick-ass individual <laughs> yeah. as, yes. a, as a person. And by the way, do you Go know how many times he almost died making this movie? <laughs> yeah, the horse was fine, but he almost drowned in the swamp. Yeah, that that's the swamp stuff is like hardcore. Yeah, that's a good swamp. And there's a whole part like at the very end of the movie where it's obvious to film it, they tilted the entire set. <laughs> And he's just like hanging by this tree branch, hanging out of the set pieces. Let's see. Uh, when he fights Gamork and the paw moves, it like it hit him in the face once and almost took out his eye. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, oh, but think about it now. If things. he had an eye patch, it would only make everything he's doing now cooler. That's true. But I, I was reading the trivia like this poor kid. Yeah, yeah. The Germans kids got are, battle scars. Germans are not soft on kids, that's for sure. We do it again. <laughs> oh, and, and and it was directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who directed Das Boot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that factoid so much. Das Boot, never-ending story. Atreyu was supposed to be green, like in the book, and they tried it, but he looked like he was ill. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, I love that they, they did actually try good, it. Good changes. I oh, and the score by Maroder. By Maroder. Yep. I love the score. I would be interested because the German cut did not use the Maroder mm-hmm. score. I would be interested to see it with a different oh, score. That would be interesting with a symphonic score instead of the pop synth. Yeah, at at the time this was made, this was the most expensive film ever made in Germany. What? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of all the quartz. It was the most. It was also the most expensive film made outside of the U.S. and the Soviet Union. 
I wonder how much they spent on mud. A lot. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Because there was a lot of mud. Premium. That was was high quality mud. mud, That was high quality mud. Only the best. I couldn't help but notice that Bastian is a latchkey kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Like these days, somebody would call Child Protective Services on Gerald McCraney. Yeah, whatever happened to latchkey kids? Child Protective Services. <laughs> They've all been taken. <laughs> but you're not allowed to let your children out of your sight these days, didn't you uh, know that? But they're in the so, city. They gotta go to school. Yeah, and you then you need to drive them there. What? Or make arrangements. Oh, Jerry, you they have got not legs. heard me. You have not heard me rant. I was a latchkey kid, and it, it did me good, damn it, kid. in my day. By my day, we walked to school by ourselves. Yeah, I did all the normal things a kid did. Run out to all hours. I started gangs. I like made weird forts in the woods and I came bl- up with rituals. And I blew up my first computer. Yeah, I almost blew up my hand because <laughs> I made you know a toilet cleaner bomb, as you do. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember shaking it, and then I got like distracted. I like I just. <laughs> This is this is the problem I have with like anything in life. I'm very easily distracted. So I'm at the the side of a stream with some friends, and I'm shaking this toilet cleaner bomb that for some reason we thought was a great idea to make because we're like, hey, I wonder if it works. Shake it, and I kind of look off into the woods a little bit, and I was just a, a stray thought. That is like, oh, I'm shit. I'm holding a bomb still. So I threw it, and a fraction of a second later. Boom! Oh my god. And I stood there for a few long moments and I thought, you know what? That was a freebie. (laughs) That was a freebie. I'm walking away. (laughs) And I, you know, I I have not made any bombs since. Oh, that's good. Well, except for all the things we blew up for the Dune Suite. Oh, shit, yeah. Okay, they were all... Well, there weren't bombs though. That was just setting things on fire. Well, there 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 were M80s involved. What? We didn't make them. (laughs) I shut up fireworks. I'm not an animal. Okay, where are we at? So I want to I want to talk about the attic now. Ah, Yeah, let's let's, go to the attic. Let's talk about this attic. So Bastian is at school. He doesn't want to go into class. And so he decides he's going to go find a place where he can just read this book. And by the way, this choice this kid makes, I'm down with. Like, if I could have done that, I totally would. Wait, I'm going to ditch school for a whole day and just read a book? Oh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, I'd do it's that. It's very appealing. So he want I I can't remember now. Does he know it's there or yeah. does oh, he yeah. find he it? He obviously knows it's there because it knows it's there because he goes up a little stairway just to kind of a sort of upper level. And then there's a box on the wall with broken glass that says attic. And he reaches in and grabs keys that like he couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he goes into this attic, which is like something out of a Gothic mansion. I mean, if my school had had an, if my school had had an attic like that, do you know the trouble that we would have gotten into playing in that thing? And what are the physical dimensions of the school? Yeah. Because the way the walls are and everything, this isn't like a long attic that goes along like the length of the school. No, it's got gables and shit. Yeah. What what does the school look like on the outside? And there's that window that bursts open, like <laughs> what? 
Like, and I mean, like, open, like, it's hinged at the sides. It's not a pane window that you Mm -mm. lift. It's like, where is this school? Maybe it's a special school. Except the the corridors down below look like any sort of generic institutional education environment. This does not look like a charter school. Why is this attic filled with taxidermy? I mean, one or two I can understand, but it's like, is this a trade school for taxidermy? (laughs) It's so full of taxidermy. There's a wolf head on a big two by four. Yeah, why is there a wolf head on a pike? (laughs) And there's, there's beams, wooden beams, like, um, that's not what the lower level would look like on an upper level. No, no. Like, it's like they just went, oh, we're going to shoot this in somebody's house now. Yeah, it's so, so separated from reality. So weird, but it's kind of awesome. Like, I would totally. Yeah, it's a, it would be a great place to hang out. Like, they totally mm-hmm. captured, like, if I was a kid and had this book and was, like, totally sneaking away, what kind of place would I want to hide in? That Duh. still kind of scares me. This one? They got it. They just... Didn't care that it had there, no connection to the rest of the world. And matches? Yeah, a bunch of candles. Like Now, now to be fair. That I kid have, would have burned down the school. I have seen spaces like this in schools, but they're like the rafters above the theater. Exactly. It's not an attic. Yeah. <laughs> and the rafters above the theater, that's a deadly, deadly place with a lot more cables and walkways. And, and, and teenagers making out. Oh fuck yeah. That's that's my point is like if that space existed in a school, oh he wouldn't have had that space to himself. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did he ever bring the book back? Well no, because he hasn't come back to the real world yet. At the end he flew off with Falcor. And I I feel like this would be a good segue for Jerry to talk about the rest of the actual book. Oh. Which is there is a sequel to the movie, Never Ending Story Two, which is, is the second half of the book. It's yeah, it is. It definitely like deviates in a lot of weird ways, but the core piece of it uh, is kind of the the thing I think is most important. So you you discover, and at the end of this movie, you get the initial sense of the fact that the Orin has this power of wishes. He, you know, when when Atreyu asks for guidance to the the, mm-hmm. the ivory tower. Yeah. It immediately is like, oh, look, there it is. And it, and it glows like red. Uh, so you kind of get a sense that it it's able to do some stuff. Well, beyond that point, and, and at this point, it's about a one third through the actual book. And basically at that point on, he can make wishes with the Orin. Except every time he makes a wish, he loses a memory and loses a part of himself. Which is really disturbing if you know that at the very end of Neverending Story, the movie, when she's like, oh, make all the wishes you want. Go nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's, she's trapping him. The mm-hmm. more wishes you make, the more, the bigger Fantasia yeah. gets. And the less, like, the, and the more empty your head will become because you won't even know your name by the time I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, of course, the subtext I hear. <laughs> and and there's a really disturbing part in the book where he comes upon this strange city just filled with all these people that don't know who they are. And you realize that this isn't the first time that some kid has wandered into this whole Orin wishing scenario. It's a honeypot. It basically like sucks in kids 
feeds off their creativity and like expands the world using them. And then as they make wishes and like fulfill all their little uh, stupid fantasies, then they just forget who they are and get stuck in the city and are never allowed to leave. That's horrifying. Yeah. He like barely makes it out. He has like a couple wishes left and he's like, it's been a long time since I read it, but I think he's like just figuring out what's going on, but like is so disconnected from himself that he's not sure why he cares. Somehow he gets out though. And then, it just gets weird. It's like he starts walking through like different fairy tales, like finding weird houses and witches. Because and... it's German. Yeah, I want, I yeah want... it does start getting very German. In my new headcanon, this is the lead-in to the book Naked Lunch. Oh. He turns into the lead character slash William S. Burroughs of Naked Lunch, and he's wandering around that city in just kind of a fugue state. Yeah, it's... And then yeah, there's that's, mugwumps, that's... and it's all over. Oof. Yeah, that's probably actually pretty accurate. Yeah. So Naked Lunch is probably a better never ending story too. <laughs> I okay, I I it's not audible the face I'm making, but there is a face. <laughs> oh Jerry. Hi. Oh Jerry, I I do love you so. <laughs> love you too, Wendy. Shit Jerry says, indeed. Uh. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the theme of this movie because I actually find myself a little disturbed by it when mm. I stop and think about it. Like, I feel like it's trying to tell you you should hope and dream and believe in yourself. Or else. <laughs> Except that the father has a pretty good point that if he's fucking around and like, and not paying attention and not willing to stand up for himself and yeah. face his problems, it his world his life isn't like daydreaming about being a Treyu isn't going to make his life better. Yeah, well, and and his dad isn't. It's not like his dad's trying to pressure him into awful stuff. He's like, "Hey, you really wanted horse riding lessons, but you won't get on a horse. Like that's kind of a problem." Mm-hmm. And, and he and he implies that uh, uh, that Bastion. Used to love to swim, but he refuses to like join b- that activity again. So it's like he's just kind of he's uh, retreated from reality because of his mother's death. And like you're saying, the the the, the message of the movie is, eh, go ahead. Yeah, just go hide in a dream world. It's like, um, actually, we'll, no. So the dad. We'll the tell dad you why this lesson's a bad idea in the second movie. So, like, so, so it really is naked lunch. It, it is naked lunch. He gets on the junk. Yeah. <laughs> is is that a bad thing to do? To have like a, a message in your film, but have it have the message itself be to be continued. Like, yeah. Well, I, I, Guys, I so am going to make a fan mashup of Naked Lunch and Never Ending Story because seriously, this Maybe is that coming be together. Your next movie. This is this is coming together in my head, man. This is amazing. And then, so then you get to this to the Southern Oracle, and it's like uh, you can't doubt yourself if uh, when you walk through, and it's like, well, let's stop and think about that. So you have a big ego, and you're fine. Like. Stop and really think about the type of people who don't doubt their self-worth at all. I know. That's exactly <laughs> what I was saying to uh, Melissa. Like, that's actually awful. You want it's somebody to- It's terrible. Goes, like, so 
what? And but the fact that they're like, no, you've got to believe in yourself to get through. And I'm like, there's believing yourself. And then there's what they're actually yeah. saying, which is really problematic. The only like a character that I could think of that would then make it through without uh, with, without being scathed at all would be Zap Brannigan. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> or like Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah, or... basically like ultimate like. Like yeah, narcissists. And ultimate narcissists, yeah. So serial killers. And fucking huh. politicians. Well, maybe they've got that special quality that Fantasia needs to save it. They could suck them dry of their dreams. That'd be fine. I mean, come on, Dexter versus the the wolf. <laughs> and then the second challenge, where you look in the mirror um, and see your true self, and it breaks people, and Atreyu <laughs> sees Bastion, which honestly, that's not a good thing. No, uh, be like, ugh, really. Can I have the rest of your sandwich? I'm Wait, a bad did you make actor. that yourself? Oh my god, that doesn't actually make sense at all. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because because they talk about it like they're opposites, and it's like okay, he's a dumpy kid, not very smart, and you've got a Treyu who's like a clever warrior. I, I mean, I guess, and he's far more attractive. Oh yeah, actually, a Treyu is disturbingly hot for a small child. <laughs> yeah, he he really like pulls it off. Like, He's got the whole, like, mostly bare chest. This is weird. Yeah, this is a strange case. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm not the only... This is He's something that you'll kid. see on, on the internet very frequently. Is like, not that older women are actually attracted, but you can't help but go, that is actually a physically attractive specimen, but yeah. it's way too young. Yeah, like, yeah. if I were age-appropriate, I'd be all If I was studying yeah. humans, I'd be like, that's a nice one. Yeah, and he he looks good in that outfit. He's rocking the shirtless thing, and he's I'm believable so glad they didn't as a make warrior. Him green. And he can act, and yeah. he can act. <laughs> so, and then so wrapping up our talk about the theme. So we get to the end with the wolf, and the wolf is like, "I want people to lose their hopes and dreams because that's what causes the nothing, which is despair." Okay, that's all fine. Mm-hmm. But then he says, "People who have no hope are easy to control." I don't know that I believe that. Like, people who have no hope are are going to be like, fuck you, I don't want to do what you say, I don't give a shit. Or I'm, will they just go along with I'm it? I'm just going to sit here and eat Cheetos. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, Morla, Morla doesn't do anything Morla doesn't want to do. That's true. Mm. Morla don't give no fucks. Then the flip side of that, as we see in America today, there are people who will work against their own best interest because they believe that their life can get just magically better. The really poor rednecks who vote Republican because Mm. and will vote against any kind of heavy taxes on the rich because they honestly believe that someday they will be rich. This is getting deep, man. So I don't know that I believe that part of it. I I wish we could ask someone that had zero hope. I have problems with the messaging on this movie. That said, Teddy watches it all the time um, because the main message is just be a dreamer. It's good for you. Mm-hmm. Like, fine. She's not going to read deeper yet. When she starts to read deeper, then she and I can have the conversations about, actually, honey, this movie's kind of fucked up. I also kind of find it kind of disturbing that it's like you you have to have hope or else all this goes away. So it's like Fantasia is being held hostage unless you, it's like you're forcing yourself to have hope instead of actually having hope. Is yeah, that- it's weird because you, you'd think a movie like this would take the whole belief angle 
of like you have to believe like the fantasy is real for yeah. it to continue existing. The hope angle is a is a is a bit odd. Your dreams make us real. What if we think about it like Germans would? Like how would it, <laughs> let's get into the mind of a wolf gang. And speaking uh, as a German, I am seriously mashing this up with naked lunch because I'm I'm mm. going okay at some point. Okay, how did the mother die? Did Bastion like try to shoot a glass off the top of her head or what? <laughs> okay, seriously, you don't know. Okay, that's how William S. Burroughs's wife died. He they were both high as kites, and he tried to do the William Tell thing by shooting a glass off of her head, and he missed. Oh. And that's oh. and that's like partially the origin of Naked Lunch. It's actually was he using a gun or a bow and arrow? Ooh. A gun. Oh. oh sweet Jesus! Yeah, that's you're not supposed to do it with this a gun. Is, no, this is why you're supposed or a to, bow and arrow. You're supposed to do it with you a bow and arrow. Don't have guns when you're high. Yeah, have bows and arrows. <laughs> that's not good either. <laughs> and then there's the bug powder, but. How does the bug powder figure into this? All right, so I'm a German, the bug right? Bug powder is your hopes and dreams. I'm a German, <laughs> and your hopes and dreams are bug powder. I, I want to destroy all hope, <laughs> like you do when you're like German. Like you do when you're German. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> What's wrong with them? I have to tell you, I have read several books that are German or Germanic, like from that Northern European sort of, I don't like them. Like the underlying worldview is so cold and antiseptic that even when they try to write fantasy, it gets weird. <laughs> Like this is my this is my fantasy world of magic. Why is it so dark and uncomfortable? Well, because Brothers Grimm happened. Maybe maybe they're just trying to express that it's like everything you love will be destroyed and swept away because you can't always have hope. So enjoy it when for the brief period of time that you can because it's going to be gone. It's like their idea is like happiness isn't real. The best you can really hope for is just sort of <laughs> contentment like just well, settle in and be okay yeah. with things that's as good as it gets maybe they're not far off because like maybe happiness gets too idealized and it's you're trying to achieve this 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 feeling that doesn't really exist when pretty good is about as good as it gets are you german jerry i i'm I've been getting into the head. What do you think I've been doing the last five minutes? <laughs> he, I'm becoming getting, as German as I can. He, he's getting an area effect from me. Yeah, I'm just like, eh, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe life is pointless. Maybe, maybe hope is just hoping that things don't turn completely tits up tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, like even us, even us talking right now, like this is, this is fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could say I'm happy-ish, but this like tomorrow we could all be dead. So, <laughs> what ofs? I can't handle this deep philosophy anymore. <laughs> okay, By tomorrow, Fantasia will be crumbling again. Okay, so reeling it back, reeling it back, reeling it back. Woo! So, eighties fantasy, right? <laughs> all right, I'm getting out this of the was, German head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I'm 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 breaking you out, man. You're you're not a professional yet, but you know, good practice, okay, good practice. So the end of the so, movie is yeah. got Bastian riding around on a a fluffy snake dog. Mm-hmm. 
who can mm-hmm. fly. Yep. And apparently not move effectively any other way. I don't know if you noticed that, but I don't know what those legs do, but they don't do useful things. Well, he can't even can, scratch himself. If you can fly, you're going to gain weight. <laughs> it's one thing I know over the last couple of years. <laughs> and you know that why, Jerry? Because I have a rolly chair. <laughs> and that's like flying. And baby, I can fly. <laughs> And hardwood floors, that's an important oh, detail. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so he, he hops on his fluffy dog snake, and he flies into the real world to bully his bullies in the yeah. ultimate 80s prepubescent revenge fantasy. Because Germans know vengeance. Which, in the book, that is just a taste of it. Oh, God. This kid... When he gets a taste of power, immediately becomes the biggest asshole ever. (laughs) Like, he does everything you would expect a dull, angry, little, like, nine-year-old boy to do if given the power to wish whatever he wants. So why hasn't he wished his mother back into existence? Oh, fuck her. He can do anything. (laughs) He can have a thousand mothers if he wants. He could take your mother. It is a good question because the in the second movie, the most powerful memory he has, his final memory, is of his mother. His final memory before his name. Mm. Like that's a big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that we've dissected it, I don't like this movie as much. Yeah. <laughs> I I still love it for the eighties fantasy that it is. Like between eighty nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty five, there was this whole slew of epic it it was right before you know the start of computer you know actual computer effects you know he just had this whole slew of 80s fantasies and 80s sci-fi where everything was constructed by hand and it was just super elaborate it was like an arms race of practical effects yeah and so you had like this and you had legend and you had crawl and you had um you know Labyrinth, labyrinth, Labyrinth and well, even you know, going out, time bandits, Uh and you know, Star Wars and magical time, yeah, Ghostbusters, Dune, uh, you know, just these the spice, the spice, (laughs) the worm is the spice, the spice is the worm, (laughs) and uh, and especially. Uh, 80s fantasy movies with tech- techno scores, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which yeah. is that weird dissonance thing. Lady so, Hawk. Lady Hawk. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, but having just watched Labyrinth last night in honor of the man, mm-hmm. oh, that is a movie that does have deep undercurrents of uh, true magical melancholy mm-hmm. and like some serious truths about being an adult mm-hmm. and facing like why it's important to both believe in fantasy, but be an adult. Like, honestly, if th- I feel like if you want that, then watch Labyrinth. Cause it's a lot healthier <laughs> than, than never ending story, which is kind of yeah. fucked up and weird. I love never ending story to death and I've watched it way more times than I've watched Labyrinth, but I, I will not defend <laughs> the message Whatever it is. <laughs> As a female, I love Labyrinth more, not just for David Bowie, but because it's actually very empowering of yeah. 
her final showdown with, you know, fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave, which is what every dysfunctional relationship you ever have. That's the core of it. Oh, yeah. And she says, you have no power over me. And she breaks free. And it's an amazing moment. <laughs> like, Labyrinth was cool when I was 13, but it's fucking awesome when I'm 45. <laughs> <laughs> So, listeners, these have been our thoughts about the never-ending story. Kashagugu. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've never seen the movie, you really, for all that we've wandered in and out of liking it in this discussion, it is I still worth, love it. It is worth a. It is worth a watch. It is mm-hmm. high fantasy, and it is pretty pretty fun. Yeah. Just don't think too hard. <laughs> they right, so, look like big, big strong hands. <laughs> don't I love that they? moment. That's, a, that's like the second truly tragic moment there. It is. It's it really is. Like that that is one of those moments that like I forget about all the really rough bad bits of the film where I'm like totally there. It brings me back in. I do love 80s fantasy movies, 80s kids movies because they weren't afraid of making kids have emotions. <laughs> yeah. Let's terrify some children. And the Germans weren't afraid to put boobs in the film. That's right. There are tits in the movie. All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> We've never actually done the questions with Jerry. Should we do the questions since we Ooh. haven't done them in a while? Yeah. Do I remember what the questions are? No. <laughs> Hold on, I'm bringing we you were, up on my phone. We were gonna revise uh, the favorite questions. Color, yeah, but green. Jerry's never done the the actual questions. So. Uh, favorite spell. I remember question one, Jerry. Question number one: mm. Who are you? I am the great I am. That's wow. That's a bold statement. Um, okay, Jerry. Question number two: What do you do? I am a wizard. <laughs> And all of you are muggles. <laughs> oh, <Jerry>. <laughs> <laughs> also, you created the Choosatron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you created the Choosatron. Yeah. Find out but- more at jerrytron.com. <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, question number three is, um, if you could build your own personal pleasure dome, what would be in it? I already did. Okay, okay, then what's in it? (sighs) Nothing. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) It's a beautiful, empty space. (laughs) And I just lie in the middle of it and lock the door. You're one of a kind, you know that? Yeah. Dear listeners. I'm trying to make sure that I'm building up enough ego so I can get to the Southern Oracle. (laughs) (laughs) Dear listeners, you should see the look on Jerry's face. It's amazing. (laughs) And number four. This is the last one. Ah. And it leads into the next segment anyway, which works out. Give us a Pleasure Dome recommendation. What is a thing you have discovered over the last maybe couple weeks that delighted you? Whether it's a website, a movie, a t-shirt, something. Oh, something just, cool. Just anything. Something cool. Anything you want. Oh, oh, that's hard. Something that delighted you. Well, this morning, 
this is it's tough because it was it was the end of a dream. Okay. Like so I woke up and I had a couple of thoughts. One was this image of a plate of spaghetti noodles. Each noodle like instead of like you know a pile of spaghetti, right? Yeah. It's just a it's knotted just a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each noodle had been painstakingly lined up okay. next to each other and then, you know, covered with a nice thing of sauce. Okay. And my mind immediately labeled it uh, spaghetti OCDs. <laughs> and I kid you not, I half woke up and I turned to Megan and I said, I need you to remember two things. <laughs> two things. Two th- well, the other was um, I had been trying to think of, I- I'm supposed to write an interactive fiction story for a, a German game newspaper. Okay. <laughs> getting into the minds of Germans and of course the theme is death <laughs> so I I've been trying to figure out how I wanted to approach that because like with video games like you know Mario has multiple lives right mm-hmm. well all of a sudden and, and again this is at the same half awake moment like as I'm coming out of sleep when I had the spaghetti OCDs mm-hmm. idea I also had the idea for how I wanted to approach the story which is um, I wanted it to be like you know, Mario or whatever character dying, but it turns out it's like the prestige. Okay. Where ah. uh, it's that the the same character is not coming back. It's just like clones getting murdered. Mm-hmm. And so when I half woke up, this I told Megan those two things and then went back to sleep. <laughs> and she wrote them down for me. Like oh, she that's paid it. Yeah, she paid attention. Why was Megan awake? Oh, she always gets up a little earlier. And spaghetti OCDs. But the spaghetti OCDs, like That's the a fun idea. the image in my mind as I was waking up, that I found very delightful. And I really like if I really want to do like a really pretentious art show, just so I can make that. And like, and I'd spray it down so like like with whatever they use for commercial, so like it oh, solidifies yeah. Yeah. in its form. But it would be just this nice plate of spaghetti with every noodle just perfectly lined up, and and the ends trimmed. So yes, they oh yeah, they'd be yes. even. Yes. Oh very God, yeah. even. Mm-hmm. Definitely, <laughs> that's a given. So right? that's I, that's something that nobody can actually go find for themselves. But I guess you get the idea. <laughs> I painted you a, a mental picture. Yes, yes, very nice. Thank you. Word Thank picture. You. All right, um, I got one. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Um, I don't know what I'm going to pick yet. Yeah, so this gives you a moment. Okay. Uh, in honor of the passing of David Bowie, who is connected to what we've been talking about because of 80s fantasy, as we've mentioned, uh, Neil Gaiman wrote a short story called The Return of the Thin White Duke, and it's uh-huh. in one of his short story collections. I forget the name. But Neil Gaiman has made it available online oh, on his blog for nice. free. Nice. Um, so... You can, I'll send you the link, Melissa, and I don't know how long it will stay up, listeners, but if if it's not available online anymore, then you should seek out um, Mr. Gaiman's short story collection and read it. I did read it. I quite liked it. Nice. So, nice. Very nice. Oh, just after the dream thing this morning, there is something that you can go find online and enjoy yourselves. Uh, just YouTube search for Albatross Mating Dance. Albatross mating dance. Albatross mating dance. It is adorable. It's so funny. And Megan happened to make the noise of one of the birds. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> just after I had watched it, but before I showed it to her, and I was like, oh my god, you sound like a mating albatross. And she, she wasn't sure if that was nice. Yeah. So I, I made be... her watch it, and then later today, like, when we came to each other, we, we both just started doing the albatross mating dance, which was very fun. That's why you two are married. Yeah. I, I had an albatross walk over my feet once. Like on purpose, just to spite you. Yeah, he he was like, so saying, "Fuck you, you're fuck in my you, way. human." He just waddle right. What up? Okay, Galapagos albatross mating dance or Lazen albatross courtship dance? Probably Galapagos. Yeah, with the clicking and the like waggling of the mm-hmm. neck, and then. Yeah. They like sword fight with their beaks, but they also clatter them on their own. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> there you go uh, and while you're on it blue footed booby mating dance those are great too oh look he's like waving his head side to side oh yeah. they're clacking their beaks yep. kissy mm-hmm. kissy 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 see it made it made me happy okay, blue footed booby I gotta watch that right now yeah blue footed booby mating dance is pretty much the best thing okay now they oh, do oh there we go yeah they do the foot thing, and then they do the wing thing, and then the I bow like the thing. Foot thing. It, the foot thing makes it look like they're both just so awkward. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah um, I kind of do. You want to do you want to dance like we're in seventh grade? Let's just sort of rock side to side near each other. <laughs> yeah. So is that your thing, Melissa, or do you have a different one? No, I got a different one. Um, feeding on Wendy's. Um, if you're one of the few people on the planet who has not yet picked up David Bowie's final album. It's very good. Black ah. Star is very, very good. And That's that is my recommendation. He made it on purpose for dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, accompanying uh, music video is uh, some seriously creepy shit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, the, the video for Lazarus is amazing, and and it's it kind of harkens back to all the bizarro '80s and '90s fantasy stuff that he did, and the music. Um, Hmm. Like the the first half of that particular song is like okay this is like some of his newer stuff and then all of a sudden he like goes into Ziggy Stardust land is like oh my god this is amazing so yeah it's it's quite the album did we all see the um, there's a YouTube video of he and Annie Lennox uh, rehearsing for the Freddie Mercury tribute where they yeah. sang Under Pressure yeah that's good stuff too and he's just chilling out with his cigarette in one hand while singing and yep. it's so fucking cool looking it's like smoking's bad but look at how cool he looks smoking will fucking kill you yeah <laughs> no one ever said smoking doesn't make you look super cool like if it made you look stupid then probably nobody do it it if makes I you look as really cool, cool as david bowie i might do it but let's be honest i'm still not gonna look as cool as david Bowie. no but you still smoking. look cooler than you well, that's not the point. If it doesn't raise me up to David Bowie, cool, what's the point? Well, and that's how you get people to stop smoking. It's a good point, yeah. That's, the, right. that's the right. anti-smoking <laughs> campaign right there. You're not David Bowie, just stop. <laughs> all right, we should wrap it up. <laughs> all right, all right, listeners, this has been another episode of Xanadu Zinema Pleasure. I don't even know what that was. Let's try that again. <laughs> all right listeners this is the never-ending podcast um never-ending podcast so um this has been xanadu cinema pleasure dome we've been talking about the never-ending story with our special guest 
Jerry. That's right. That's you, Jerry. I've been Wendy, joined by Melissa. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. 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 (laughs) Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. your birthday well it's always gonna be soon (laughs) (laughs) how far away could it possibly be